and girls, here we are for Shaken and Disturbed. Oh. Uh, you, you still there? Oh, still yeah. There? Yeah, yes, I'm still, still here. I love your there, jingles. Megan. Oh, see? This is why we have Megan on, because <laughs> I don't think John loves weeks. me enough. Listen. And I think Megan is... I needed Megan to prove that I was worth it, John. You know, you don't make yeah. me feel... Like a whole person, you know what I mean? Okay, I As understand. As I open my diet coke, yeah, I yeah. needed Megan to give me a f- some compliments. Okay, all I'm right. needy. Jesus. Uh, all right. Well, we know what Darren's drinking: diet coke and something else, because she's off to the races. <laughs> today as we begin the show um you better believe it i like the jingles i don't mind them as long you know listen you're a great singer darren what can i say (laughs) i think i never the thing is it's like i don't know if you guys feel this before you record well first off welcome back yes let's welcome megan Megan. thank you hi like there's always that moment when we're about to record and i like and i should say Hey everyone, it's Darren Carp, John Thrasher, Megan Fierro. Welcome to uh, Shaken and Disturbed. I should say that. Sure. That's something that a normal podcast host would say. But you but are not But as you both normal. know, yeah. correct. And I need to lean into that. St- you know, like lean in. I need to Sheryl Sandberg <laughs> the shit out of myself and fucking lean in. So, no, I anyway. like your personality. I like, I like you doing anything at all that comes to mind because it's our show. Let's be honest. We can do whatever That's, we want. That- well, Megan, I'm glad we didn't scare you away. Thank you for hopping <laughs> on this week's episode. Absolutely not. I don't think I'd be around if yeah. it weren't for the jingles. They keep That's me coming right. back. Hell That's yeah. what I figured. Um, are we before we kind of get into this case that I want to set Megan up here, John? Please tell me you're not having coffee with Bailey's. Please. I'm not having coffee with Bailey's, but I am having whiskey. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. It's more whiskey. On the rocks. I'm, it's on the rocks. In fact. Well, not even on the rocks. It's just straight because I didn't have any ice. I ran out of ice cubes. But I will say this. I have ordered. I made a grocery order. And let's just say starting next week, I'm going to have some more fun drinks to share with everyone on the show. Okay. You don't have an ice maker? No, because I'm in this old dusty haunted house and it has an older fridge that doesn't have an ice maker. So. Roger that. Megan, are you imbibing today? Rosé all day. Rosé. Oh. Megan, I we haven't had rosé yet on the show. I, don't I know. Think, because we this should. is kind of our first summary type of show. <laughs> Megan, do you like a dry rosé? Are you a sweet Manischewitzy rosé type of gal? What are you into? I I should have been a sorority girl. I'm I really <laughs> like sort of sweet <laughs> wines that you can drink. Me too. Like juice. Um, but In fact, I'm also not picky. <laughs> Megan, sorry to interrupt you. I thought you were pausing there. But, uh, Megan, I think I should be in a sorority, too, because I like that, too. So let's just start our own sorority here on the show. I'm in. Let's do yeah. it. Okay, we'll call it... Shaken and Rosé'd. <laughs> Shaken and Rosé'd. Done. That's the name of the, fr- the and sorority. Uh, I did have a couple glasses of Rosé. Rosé is just one of those things where it's mm. like, you have to drink it. When it's nice weather. Totally. You can't be drinking that in like February. Like people no. really look at you like you're a psycho. No. Um, and this might be a perfect intro into this case because Megan, it had, you know, did the research for it and was like right. genuinely upset as to what's going on. So I'm sure she's, she can talk about psychosis here. But when the <laughs> summer hits, no, you know, you know how I have a vodka soda every day. Right. Nothing is better than a glass of rosé in the summer. But I don't like it sweet. I like it very dry mm. and like... You know, like, mm, yeah, 
tart type of thing. I get, so, I get that. I will also but say But today this, I am just having a Diet Coke, by the way. Just that's good. Coke. Just do what you need to do. You know, we got to keep you mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. here every day. Um, especially, that's exactly what you just said is why I wanted to move out of the whiskey stuff. I have so much whiskey I wanted to finish, but now I'm like, it's a little too warm. Like my chest gets really warm when I drink whiskey. So I don't need that. Especially today, by the way, we're recording and it's 92 degrees where I am. So I can't be drinking too much whiskey. It um, is never this warm around my birthday. It's I know. never like beach weather around my birthday. I it's know. usually 60s. Like I never rent a pool, a house with a pool or anything because I'm like it's never going to live up <laughs> to the whatever. Let's By the way, before we case. well before yeah. we get into this week's case, Darren, um, your birthday is tomorrow. We're dropping this episode on a Sunday. We're going to celebrate right. your birthday. We'll talk more about it at the end of the show on our Patreon live this week coming up. Are you doing anything this weekend or are have you done anything this weekend? Because, you know, we're speaking in the past tense on a Sunday. We're, spe- we're speaking in the future tense, <laughs> but when we record this, it'll be in the past right, tense. Right. So it's very hard. It's tough to, uh, to keep straight. Yeah. Very difficult. On Saturday, I'm going to go hang out with my parents and my parents' best friends whose daughter is like a sister to me. I was in her wedding in the Turks and Caicos, if you remember oh, back yeah. in like Martinis and Murder when I spoke about that. So. Yeah. They have a house on Long Island and her dad's birthday is on Saturday or was on oh, Saturday. Okay. So they do like we do like a big barbecue. We go to the beach. It's like going to be 89 fucking degrees here. So we'll yeah. probably go to the beach. Um, and then <laughs> Sunday, uh, my friend Kennedy is making uh, me a birthday. She's making me breakfast. She says Aww. breakfast motherfucking nachos. Ooh. Um, and, and her dad daughter is making me like a rainbow pride cake which oh i absolutely love God. she's she's 12 and she's like i'm gonna take so many pictures she's so cute Please and do. her name is lotus yeah and she's gonna be making me a cake so that's a um, cool I'm name super, by the way lotus i know lotus very cool she's very cool cooler than well, any one of us here i have to i hate to say it. yeah no that's fair that's understandable well yeah. happy early birthday we'll Thank get into you. all of your activities on next week's episode and of course on the patreon if you want to join us for darren's patreon birthday zoom uh sign up for patreon now at the truly disturbed or the super fan level and you will get an exclusive link to join us on when is it wednesday thursday I'm forgetting. Megan, I hope the you 26th. come with it because I feel like people need I because I don't I don't I wasn't sure if you were on, you weren't on the last one, but basically everyone just shows me their animals, and I think <laughs> it would be really funny if you had on and just showed <laughs> your taxidermy and like really participated in this. I Megan. would love to. That would be so much fun. Okay, Megan, you're in. We'll send you the link on Wednesday if you're available to join us. And sure, just reminding you that. John and I were DMing about something, and we'll have to tell we'll our listeners. To, yeah, John, save it. Yeah, we'll have to tease. Oh, we'll save it. But John DM'd me this, and he, or I think it was no, John, or maybe it, it was me. me. Yeah, I think I said it to John. I was like, we have to buy this for Megan, and he was like, absolutely, <laughs> oh it is the best Megan gift ever. So just just know just that, that, that we have a yeah, just, we have a gift for you That's in the back terrifying. of our heads, and it's it's <laughs> That's it is terrifying. So it is terrifying. Even John was like. Ew, disgusting. Yes, yes, I did. exactly. And I was like, right. okay, cool. Mo- All right, so let's get into this week's case. And Megan, set yeah. us up here because you were you were really you were really involved in it. And when you sent me and John the research, you were like aggravated at how upset that you got over this case. Am I right? Like you were very disturbed and very shaken. If I'm not mistaken, <laughs> absolutely, I was both shaken and disturbed. Hey, I said the thing. Yes. There you um, go. Mm-hmm. So I I feel as though 
most times when somebody does something really terrible, there's something going on with them mentally. They've had some mm. sort of bad experience. They've had some sort of bad upbringing. Something traumatic has happened to them. And I don't feel that that negates the bad thing that they do. But I feel that it's almost a little bit comforting and you can sort of empathize with their background and just yeah. to have that explanation there doesn't mitigate totally. it but it it makes them feel like okay you're a human being it's like me with something. ed kemper exactly right okay <laughs> but yeah. also okay. like if you think yeah. about it too it's like isn't this why we love true crime right in a sense because we want to understand what's going on and the whys and the hows and the whodunits and even if it's like a little bit of like psychoanalysis like this, it helps us wrap our heads around an otherwise like really tragic and disturbing thing that happens on a daily basis. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's so great, this is Megan. one of those essentially. Well, no. So today <laughs> we'll uh, see how that we're, unfolds. We're going to be talking about yes. Elliot Roger and mm -hmm. his case just upsets me so viscerally. Because I feel like there's almost none of that there. Mm. He's He has... Like, I'm not going to walk away understanding him at all. Right. Great. Okay. He had every opportunity okay. in the world. He had all of the support. His parents loved him. Everyone tried to, like, help this guy. People tried to... And he just... He wanted to do the terrible thing that he did. And he did it. And yeah. it makes me so angry. <laughs> well, that's and a great we setup, if nothing more. else, right, Darren? Oof. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Megan's this got is... us hooked. Here we go. Let's get into this, because yes. I'm ready to be fucking disturbed here. Now, in 1991, Elliot Roger was born in London, England, home, of course, of... The Spice Girls. There we go. There and go. I was waiting for a fill-in of some sort, mm -hmm. and John filled yep. it in with whatever. There you go. So Elliot's parents, P Peter and Chin, moved to South, uh, South Southern California when Elliot was just five years old. And although they divorced only two years later, both parents loved and supported Elliot. So it seemed like they had a good co-parenting type of relationship for the kid. And, you know, for me, I think usually I'm very much so like... Divorce can really fuck up a kid, but sometimes not getting a divorce can fuck up a kid. So yeah. as long as you can maintain uh, some semblance of normalcy for the kid, like live mm -hmm. and let live, I think that should be the way it goes. Now, early on in his life, Elliot's parents were very concerned about how shy and withdrawn their son seemed. Coupled with his, you know, smaller stature, smaller size, they did their best to provide him with professional and developmental support throughout the child throughout his childhood and teen years, but. As he grew, Elliot never really stopped being awkward, having difficulty with social interaction and maintaining friendships. A lot of times, you know, how we are as kids, how we're socially evolved as kids, very much so, you know, kind of carries through through our adulthood mm, in a lot of ways. If for you're sure. shy and reserved, it can be hard to kind of come out of that. Now, he was obviously described as quiet as early as the first grade, but he often sat by himself, staring into space instead of interacting with his classmates. It was also noted that he would engage in repetitive behaviors, including verbal tics like repeating words or sounds and tapping his feet or legs. 
this can be a sign of a lot of things in mm-hmm. early childhood development. It could be stress, could be hormones. There's there's a lot of different. If anyone's watching the Mayor of Easttown on HBO Max right now, which is another true crime murder story, but it's uh, fiction. Um, Mayor's grandson suffers from these similar. Um, uh, visual tics like mm. he blinks his eyes a lot and stuff like that so she talks a little bit about that I understand that it's a scripted show but yeah, kind of yeah, get yeah. A, a world bit in there now even as a young child Elliot was very sensitive and precise all of the items in his desk needed to be perfectly organized at all times he was a very picky eater and he was sensitive to overstimulation becoming overwhelmed when surrounded by too many people or too much noise I feel this way even now <laughs> like when I'm on the subways yeah. you know in New York or even crowded malls, even sometimes concerts, like I get very overwhelmed by people and noise. Just throwing it out there. One of my exes used to like, it could be a very, we could be at a cafeteria or something, yeah. right? But let's say Megan was like eating a yogurt. If she heard <laughs> like Megan eating a yogurt, I only say yogurt because it was like one of her coworkers. Yeah. It could be loud as hell, but she would zoom, like zoom yeah. in on Megan eating the yogurt and not be able to get it out of her head. Oh, like God. she would just, you know what I mean? That's so it was, it was just, it was torture. Now, yeah. Elliot also had trouble making eye contact probably because he was very shy, and often preferred to whisper or write in order to communicate. This may have had to do with a lisp, which he started receiving speech therapy for at the age of seven. So a lot of, like, uncomfortable things when you're a kid. I think as a kid especially, you want to be able to fit in, and obviously with all this stuff, it's probably not giving him the most confidence, I would imagine. Throughout his education, Elliot was provided special education resources, and at the age of 16, Elliot was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder. Not otherwise specified. So it's PDD-NOS was one of several previously separate subtypes of autism Mm -hmm. that were folded into kind of this single diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, ASD, with the publication of the DSM-5, which is a diagnostic manual used in psychology. Uh, You know, if the DSM, like the DSM used to list homosexuality as a disorder, and it got rid of it in in this most recent manual. And by the way, if that is a disorder, guess what? I'm really sick, you guys. I know. (laughs) Megan... Like, Megan, me, and you are all twisted individuals anyway. Right. Add in any of our gaynesses, yeah. and we're just, we're all psychos yeah. here. Yeah, so exactly. There you go. There you go. How, however, Elliot had no known history of violence or criminal behavior throughout his childhood and adolescence. And instead, Elliot's parents stated that when he became angry, he would tense his entire body while clenching mm. his teeth and pursing his lips. He did not physically act out or get into fights, hurt animals, damage property, or otherwise react violently mm. okay clenching ch- clenching your teeth though and pursing your lips like is almost like to me correct me if i'm wrong seems to be actually kind of a healthy way maybe to express your anger in a lot of ways uh in some for some people yeah it probably is and as opposed to like lashing out you know? acting out right exactly yeah. like i mean i could see my fist tightening maybe um <laughs> at, at certain things that i've people seen say. your now, fist tighten Elliot- over the years i know i know when you're upset Sometimes around your neck. It happens. Nothing crazy. We're not we're going nuts. As Elliot grew up, social interaction became increasingly difficult for him and he continued to withdraw. Now Mm. he kind of had these manifestos, right, Megan? Like his would we call them diaries? Like is there a specific 
Why are we calling them manifestos? Is that how he described them to be? Yeah. Elliot was a big writer. He kept journals all sort of throughout his childhood and in, in, into his adult years. But he also wrote one single manifesto that he ended up disseminating to a lot of people who were sort of in his orbit. Hmm. Okay. Uh, in his, la- yes. Later on in the story. But he wrote this manifesto where he talked about himself all through his life the way that he perceived things to be so i've included some excerpts from them uh throughout the story here and for what it's worth just the way it's oh sorry sorry darren just really quickly for anyone who doesn't know what a manifesto is it's sort of like a declaration of one's stance on whatever you know it may be um, it, but it also can be something as very personal, like a diary and the things that you're going through. Um, but th- I think the intention right. is, and you guys can help me maybe because maybe you know more than I do, is it's meant to be somewhat of like a confession. Like so- once somebody reads it, it's like, this is who I truly am. I don't know if that's how you guys would interpret it that way. but If you've ever seen Jerry Maguire, <laughs> and Jerry Maguire writes his manifesto and mm. sends it to the company and then everyone hates him and he gets fired for it. But the way that <laughs> Megan was kind of describing for it where he like disseminates this yeah. to his orbit sounds also very cult-like. So like I feel mm. like it could be a personal thing and it can also be this, for lack of a better term here, maybe like a Bible, a, yeah. a, you know, a written declaration of what, you know, how we should act moving right. forward. Now, so this expert excerpt is from Elliot's Manifesto and stated states, as fourth grade started... It fully dawned on me that I was the shortest kid in my class. Even the girls were taller than me. In the past, I rarely gave a thought to it, but at this stage, I became extremely annoyed at how everyone was taller than me and how the tallest boys were automatically respected more. It instilled the first feelings of inferiority in me, and such feelings would only grow more volatile with time. Hmm. Well, I want to give a quick kudos to Megan because all of this information we're reading um, or and, re- re- and reciting, essentially, um is Megan's work frankly and I think this is one of those stories where more than ever the backstory is so important to the rest of yeah. the of the case so Megan good job with this so far by the way thank you you're welcome yeah so at age 11 Elliot discovered the internet including wow. yeah chat rooms and porn and frankly that's probably the same Just time like- I did so Right, like everyone's first internet experience was AOL Messenger and then porn. Oh, totally. Well, I was definitely, I remember this one time, you know, I was in, remember AOL, for those who don't know, AOL was like your internet service provider at the time and you had to dial up with landlines. A lot of you may be too young to even know what any of this means, but... I remember, like, I'd go into chat rooms. Like, I went into a Spice Girls chat room, and it was, like, fun. And then I will never forget this one time I was at my dad's, and I don't know what I was doing on AOL, but he came in, and he was like, uh, why are you on the bi women's chat room right now on AOL? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And then I, like, you know, just turned the computer off mm-hmm. as quickly as I could. Um, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. by women, okay, like, John. that has nothing, like, imagine, there's, like, nothing there for me, let me just say that. <laughs> um, but anyway, just thought I'd, I'd rehash that for a second, but 
He described his initial feelings of confusion bordering on traumatization as he allegedly knew almost nothing about sex up until this point, but those feelings soon gave way to feelings of lust for the quote-unquote hot girls online. Maybe he was in the bi women's chat room and I didn't even know. You love... You know? i just imagining you in the bi women's chat room. At like age 13. Yeah, exactly. That's the most shaken and disturbed <laughs> I've been in a long time. Let me just go. say that. Well, when Elliot was 13, he became heavily involved in video games, as most young boys do, particularly World of Warcraft, which felt to him like a safe space. At this time, he lost contact with his friends he'd made at a cyber cafe. He also gave up skateboarding after watching some younger boys who were able to do better tricks than him. So right away, you know, you're we're, he's entering puberty, essentially, by the way. So let's not forget that there are a lot of hormones likely involved in what's going on here. But his this perceived inadequacy compared to the younger boys caused Elliot to eventually hate skateboarding. So there's like a lot going on in his head already. I mean, think about everything we've already talked about. And a lot of comparisons. To yeah. Other yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So here's another excerpt from his manifesto. Quote, I had been trying very hard to get better at skateboarding, but when I saw that there were boys a lot younger than me who could do more tricks, I realized that I sucked. I was never good at sports or any physical activity, and when I discovered skateboarding, I thought that finally here was a sport that I could excel in and even became a professional at. It crushed me a little inside to see that I was a failure at skateboarding after more than a year of practicing it. I could never master the kickflip or heel flip. All I could do was the ollie jump and ride down a few ramps. I saw eight-year-old boys at the skate park who could do a kickflip with ease and it made me so angry why did I fail at everything I tried I asked myself my dreams of becoming a professional skateboarder were over I felt so defeated and you know to your point Darren and and what we were just talking about is like this isn't like I hope to keep getting better it's oh I saw an eight-year-old do it I can't do that I suck I'm terrible you know so it is a lot of comparison And I don't know what, I don't know enough about child psychology or early, you know, development to really know here. But I do kind of wonder what the major difference is between Mm -hmm. a kid who says like, oh, they're better looking. They do it better. I'm getting, my whole life is shit and I'm, you know, never going to do my dreams versus someone who's like, wow, I want to work harder. I'm going to be more competitive. I'm, this is motivating for me. And so- I don't know if it's I don't know if it's nature and I don't know if it's right. nurture. Right. But this type of mentality that we're talking about with Elliot seems to me to be a little bit more of like the depressive Definitely. side yeah. of things than other people. And and I do wonder if this is like early onset of that. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. If I mean, that makes sense. No, I agree with you. I don't I mean, know that's enough. A- I'm just. Yeah. Allegedly, you know, I don't know. No, that's a good theory. I mean, obviously, we're not psychologists, but I think, you know, from what we know about this type of stuff, I would agree with that for sure. Um, Although it was important for Elliot to maintain the appearance of not caring what anyone thought of him, he would have intentionally go out of his way to act weird, to garner attention, providing the justification, quote, I was tired of being invisible, the invisible shy kid. Infamy is better than obscurity. End quote. Oh, that's like, think about that. Mm. Infamy is better than obscurity. And like, apply that to all of our episodes that we've ever covered on the show. I know it sounds kind of shitty, but it's, this is kind of reminding me of Columbine. There's a, ne- and I yeah. know that was a s- yeah. school shooting there, but you know how those kids got like bullied and yeah, they were like, yeah, of course. vengeful and they'd rather be infamous. But than by the way, 80s. not even just Columbine, like so many of these white male terrorists so many of them. are the same exact thing. Yeah. 
Well, so many of them. It's just Columbine was like that first of it for, for sure. us that I just like, you no, know, remember sure. being a kid then. Anyway, yeah. But also that Columbine was the first one where we kind of started taking the mental health aspect of it as a society a little bit differently. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So that's a good point. I think so. Well, as he became, uh, began puberty, Elliot became deeply intrigued with girls. The pervasive theme throughout his manifesto is about how obsessed he felt with girls and how jealous he was of the boys who were able to get them. Again, we've heard this a lot in the news over the years recently. Um, going through, and so here's another excerpt from his manifesto where he sort of confesses a lot of this. Going through puberty utterly doomed my existence. It condemned me to live a life of suffering and unfulfilled desires. Even at that young age, I felt depressed because because I wanted sex, yet I felt unworthy of it. I didn't think I was ever going to experience sex in reality, and I was right, I never did. I was finally interested in girls, but there was no way I could ever get them. And so my starvation began. That's disturbing, mm, by the way. That's <clears throat> He's so young. That's sad. I know, that's why I'm kind of feeling like, sad for him no there's like, a, of feel... course like sympathy at this point i mean he hasn't yeah. done anything at yeah. this point so it's like right. you do kind of sympathize with people who have an outlook like this especially at such a young age well yeah. here's another excerpt from the same manifesto the boys in my grade talked about sex a lot some of them even told me that they had sex with their girlfriends this was the most devastating and traumatizing thing i've ever heard in my life Boys having sex at my age of 14, I couldn't fathom it. How is it that they were able to have such intimate and pleasurable experiences with girls while I could only fantasize about it? I frequently started asking myself, this was an all-boys school. How in the hell were these boys even able to meet girls to have sex with? I wondered. I hoped they were lying. I hoped against all hope. Hearing that really shook me to the core. Words cannot describe how much hatred and envy I felt for those boys. That hatred would only fester the more I suffer from my sexual starvation. I was too scared to tell anyone about it, and I hid it, well, for a time. And not that this is the same thing, but I do think about my own experience as a young gay boy and coming into, you know, my own sexuality, however I did. And, you know, I definitely think... I didn't feel it as much, but I know so many people have. And by the way, you guys can feel, please do feel free to chime in with your own experiences. But I didn't feel jealousy per se when it came to other boys having sex or anything like that. But I did feel very different from the, I guess you could say, not the lifestyle, but just kind of like the camaraderie that so many straight boys were having, especially in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think about that now and it's like, it's weird because as an adult and obviously at a place in our society in the, in the United States where I don't, I would never feel that way now personally. It's just funny how these thoughts about sex and childhood and adolescence overwhelm us at those times, but really, you know, for lack of a better word, manifest themselves into things that, you know, into scenarios that aren't really that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and Megan, I'm curious to hear what you have to say, just because we're both women, like yeah. at least for us in like the locker room. For me, I remember <laughs> like being it was like a comparison with other women, not if they were hooking up with men, but like their bodies, like mm. big boobs were like big in middle school, and like every girl wanted big boobs, and like I don't have them, you know. And I remember me feeling like less than for that. I never really remember thinking like, oh, they're having sex with blah 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 blah, and I'm jealous. Like it wasn't. I think for boys, they look at it as like oh, totally. You're this so accomplishment right, to happen. Whereas women, 
are a little bit more inward about their own like bodies about it as opposed to like some sexual prowess on other people I could be wrong what do you think Megan I absolutely agree with that Mm -hmm. I never really felt like uh sex was like some sort of unattainable like thing to accomplish right you know because I'm a, a girl but uh, yeah, definitely with with body comparison was the big thing for me. Yeah, big thing. You know what's so big funny thing. is like this is such a you guys are shedding light on such what a, such a big difference in boys and girls. Like I never, definitely. I never thought about my body like that, and that is something I'm sure both of you you know dealt with a lot in middle and high school and 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 still yeah, do. i yeah. think that's like women women in general still do that sure. i mean you know the sort of the golden rule that they always say is like when boys this is usually in like heterosexual community but when like boys talk about how many women they've slept with you divide by three and when women <laughs> talk about how many men they slept with you multiply by oh, three interesting. because they don't want to because for men it's like look at how amazing I am right, hooking up right. with all these dudes. And for women, they don't want to do that. They don't want to They don't want yeah. to be seen as the quote-unquote slut or whatever. That's not a good thing for them. I'm not saying that they are. No, I'm yeah, saying yeah. that that's the term <laughs> used um, for women. And so it's just what boys want to talk about and what girls want to talk about is very different. Great. Very different. Very great way to put that. And thank you both yeah. and for sharing those thoughts with uh me and the audience for that matter you too um, yeah yeah yes well in an interview with elliot's acquaintance philip blosner philip commented quote he was incredibly hard work to talk to he liked computer games and skateboarding when he was younger but that was it end quote going on to describe elliot as painfully awkward and boring Elliot attended mm. three and by the way this is you know someone else's perception of this person who is clearly having some mental health issues, you know, so there's that. But Elliot right. attended three different high schools where his social and developmental problems continued in spite of the help he was given. He left his first two schools of his own volition um, after being bullied for being small, shy, and awkward. I mean, again, like like Megan was just saying, I do feel a little bit of empathy at this point. It's like... I do. Ugh, it's just yeah. terrible to feel like I, I've talked about this too. It's like I have been. I am so lucky that I had a an enjoyable high school experience. But I also sympathize and was very good friends with many people in high school who did not have that. And I know what it did yeah. to them, even to this day. Um, even just earlier today, I was talking to someone who was like, "Oh yeah, I hate that guy," and I was like, "Why?" And he and he was like, "Because he was a soccer player." I'm like, oh, oh you're gosh. still holding on to that, are you? Yeah. Anyway, it, I should be a therapist because I wanted to sit down and just psychoanalyze that whole thing. But yeah, it's effect- <laughs> it affects you. Yeah. Well, throughout his sophomore, junior, and senior years, Elliot was enrolled in Independence Continuation High School, a small public school that was structured to give students intensive individual attention for only three to four hours per day. That's really interesting. I had never heard of something like that. Hmm. Elliot liked this structure because he felt that the work was easy and it allowed him extra time to be at home playing World of Warcraft. But again, Great. you know, it's kind of like safe space, right? Like he's moving from place to place, whether it's high school or his day-to-day life of going to places where he feels most safe. That's what I'm picking up on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, while at the school, Elliot received weekly therapy and his grades improved tremendously. In an interview, Elliot's school principal described him as awkward, but bright, seeming very innocent and soft-spoken and was liked well enough. 
The principal noted that Elliot would be invited to have lunch with other students, which he would occasionally agree to, but, quote, would kind of just be present. He had this push and pull between his desire to engage socially and his fear of rejection, end quote. It's almost like... Which is so human. Yeah. It's such a human feeling, you know? It's such a it's such a real thing, I think. I of, think it's... I'm sorry, Darren. I no, know. go. I was done. <laughs> I was just thinking about, you know, you see a lot of videos of these poor helpless um, animals in these shelters that have been like abused or rejected or um, neglected. And, you know, you see there these puppies, these kittens and whatever other animals that need and love and want the attention, but they just, you know, they don't trust people. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm feeling with him. It's like, there's this element that he wants to trust people, Doesn't but trust he can't. Yeah. I think that's a good club call, yeah. Yeah. Well, in his manifesto, however, Elliot described the school as boring and commented that he, quote, disliked all of the degenerate low-class students there. They repulsed me, end quote. Now, I do want to say one quick thing about this manifesto because it's a huge part of today's show. You know, there's this thing like whenever I'm writing in my, my journal, so to speak, I'm not really writing a manifesto, but in a journal, it's almost like, what are you putting out there? Are you putting out what you hope someone reads one day? Are you putting out your truest, heartfelt, you know, rawest emotions? I always think about that, especially as a writer myself, you know, like who is the audience specifically? I think that's something just to think about as we go through the rest of the show. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Elliot's awkward behavior was starkly at odds with his growing fascination with girls. Philip Blosner recounted in the interview that Elliot's problems didn't start with being ignored by girls, instead stating, quote, he would never dream of approaching a girl. He just expected them to come to him, which they didn't. Even mm. if any of them ever had, it wouldn't have lasted long because he wouldn't want, he wouldn't chat to them. So maybe it's him. It's his mm. own, like, you know. Yeah. It's his own sort of issues here. Now, in spite of this, Philip yeah. often encouraged and tried to help Elliot start conversations with the girls he wanted to talk to, but he never even tried. Elliot, on the other hand, was starting to become obsessed and extremely anxious over the idea of sex, sometimes getting upset to hear other boys talking about actually having sex. Mm. Maybe not, you know, because he's jealous, maybe for another reason. Right. This is also from his manifesto. It says, I developed a very high sex drive, and it would always remain like this. This was the start of hell for me. I felt depressed because... I wanted sex, yet I felt unworthy of it. I didn't think I was ever going to experience sex in reality, and I was right. I never did. I finally was interested in girls, mm. but there was no way I could even get get them. And so my starvation began. Mm-hmm. But it almost sounds like he's the cause of his own yeah, issues here. Yeah. Like, he's blaming the fact that he can't get girls instead of looking in a mirror and saying, well, what if I go talk to them? Like, it's almost like his fear of rejection is paralyzing exactly. him. Exactly. I was just going to say that. In a lot that. of ways. Yep. At 15, at 15 years old, Elliot reported depression and suicidal thoughts and mm. was prescribed Xanax and Prozac, though he claimed they had no effect on him. And around age 17, Elliot's outlook began to shift, and he started to become even more aggressive. He felt increasingly isolated, even feeling left out by his online friends, and he grew more, more and more bitter with his loneliness. Tied up in his feelings <sighs> of loneliness were also feelings of sexual inadequacy that we talked about that often left him feeling enraged. 
Another excerpt from his manifesto, I couldn't just stand by and accept such an injustice anymore. I refused to continue hiding away from the world and forgetting about all the insults it dealt to me. I began to have fantasies of becoming very powerful and stopping everyone from having sex. I saw sex, se- I saw sex as an evil and barbaric act, all because I was unable to have it. This was a major turning point. My anger made me stronger inside. This was when I formed my ideas that sex should be outlawed. It is the only way to make the world a fair and just place. If I cannot have it, I will destroy it. That's the conclusion I came to right then and there. I must be destined to change the world, to shape it into an image that suits me. And this is, we've seen this, you know, a lot from serial killers. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm watching the Son of Sam Duck and David Berkowitz, who, you know, isn't necessarily the Adonis uh, that I think that he wanted to. You know, there was a lot of psychology, psychologists kind of coming on to say that, his way to have, you know, his sexual expression was using the gun as sort of the phallus and then the kill was kind Mm. of the orgasm in a lot of ways because he probably couldn't get girls and felt frustrated by it. This is, to me, this is, this is taking it to a new level because it's saying like, if I can't have it, then I don't want anyone to fucking have it. It's controlling this thing here. Well, this, this excerpt in particular is sort of the turning point, right? Because in fact, he says this, this was a major turning point because it went from, I'm, I'm dejected and upset about this, whereas most people would just deal with that. He wanted to turn those feelings of dejection into a response or a resolution. And unfortunately, his thoughts were to go on a rampage, frankly. Exactly. And this is obviously coupled with his depression and everything. At 15. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. It's a lot. Well, in his. In his manifesto, Elliot describes a desire to morph into a new person who would become powerful enough to abolish sex for everyone Mm. as revenge on those he envied because they were able to have sex and he wasn't. Elliot wrote about feeling empowered by this new goal for himself. This is such a projection of anger, right? This is is like very, very child psychology. Now, around Mm -hmm. this time, Elliot began to spend large amounts of time at Barnes & Noble studying psychology and biographies of powerful leaders. At age 18, Elliot discovered the lottery and decided it was a solution to becoming popular and wealthy. Me too. I'm going to tell you guys this. Yeah, don't fucking buy lotto tickets. It's a scam. Wait a minute. Don't fucking give the government any fucking money. You're not going to win. And all those people end up being poor usually afterwards. Just saying. That's mainly true. But Darren, did you know that the billion dollar jackpot from several months ago was sold down the street from my house? Yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Is that person, what does that person have now? A pool? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not even sure that it's been claimed yet, which is crazy because the the town that actually was sold in is actually a one light main street town. There's probably a thousand people that live in it. It's the epitome of like the Hollywood story of like rags to riches, so to speak. And... I just, you know, you say that, but I'm like, that could have been me. I'm just going to throw it out there. Well, <laughs> I, but it's a I'm, good life I lesson, hope it's, though. Uh, correct. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone should win the lottery to become popular and or wealthy, but I understand the sentiment <laughs> here. Now, Elliot wrote how about how he would play the lottery, win millions, and finally lose his virginity. Oh, dear. Makes sense to me. It's one yeah. way to do it. From his... <laughs> one way to do it yes I mean Megan's married you know well, Aaron didn't true. get Megan be- for not winning the lottery here <laughs> so clearly from his manifesto he said 
I'm not laughing. It's just that, like it's such a childhood fantasy in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. I will drive a Maserati and a Lamborghini. And when girls see me in those cars, they will all want to date me. They will finally see me as the supreme man that I'm meant to be. Oh, dear. Which is such a male Yes, yeah, specifically you know, when, like American male. Like, yeah. When you go through like a midlife crisis and you see right. these like 55-year-old guys in their Porsches and I'm like, okay, like you have a tiny dick and that's cool. <laughs> However, after a short... However, after a short while, Elliot's plans for world domination faded, and he sunk back into his feelings of loneliness and isolation. During this time, Elliot would often go for walks around the neighborhood in a desperate hope that someone would befriend me Mm. or a girl would talk to me, he says. But it never happened. This is really sad. After graduation, Elliot chose to attend college in the hopes that it would enable them to make friends and finally find a girlfriend. I mean, I... Again, we go into this empathy part, at least at this stage of the show, and... You know, I don't know. It's like if somebody approached him and wanted to be friends, like, does he think it would work out? I mean, he has no, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of the, I think, the Asperger's stuff coming to play here because it's like, if even if somebody did approach you, like, it doesn't sound to me like he was willing to have what I would consider a typical healthy relationship with those people, given everything we know about him. Um, So I don't know. I I just think about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so interesting how, like, this is such a pervasive sort of pattern that he has throughout all of this where Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to put in the legwork. He doesn't want to go out and meet people and get to know them and make friends. He wants to put himself in front of people and wait for them to decide, wow, I want to be friends with this guy. I've got to look how cool he is and have the other person do all the work. And obsess and worship him. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great point, Megan. He he's too fragile to accept any sort of rejection. And so again, it paralyzes him to Megan's point. He's not even gonna try. Right. No, that's such a great point. So Elliot attended two community colleges, each for a single year. At both schools, his attendance dropped off throughout the year until he left altogether. In his manifesto, he said, quote, no one wanted to be my friend. It just wasn't worth the trouble, end quote. And there is a level of this, too, where, like, now you're in college and it's like, okay, how how true are these little excerpts? You know, like, did no one really want to be your friend or what's going on there specifically? Because... There is a part of me that's wondering, is he setting himself up as a victim in all of this when really he might not be? I don't know. Very well could be. Yeah. Well, after leaving his first school, Pierce College, Elliot refused to get a job, instead choosing to use his free time, quote, self-educating at Barnes & Noble, still reading biographies of world leaders, self-help books and philosophy and psychology textbooks. I personally go to Barnes & Noble for the Funkos. So very different people. Lord knows you do. Yes. Very different people. Elliot's mother became angry and frustrated with her son for refusing to attend college or find work and found a life coach to help him. Um, This is what he had to say about the life coach. Quote, this life coach's name was Tony, a boisterous 40 year old man who came to meet with me every other week. Uh, yeah, every other week. I was open to going along with this. I had plenty of free time and I was so lonely. Tony usually took me out to lunch somewhere in the valley where he gave me advice on socializing and self-improvement. So listen, that sounds like a good scenario. Um, this is yeah. positive. Yeah, for sure. Tony tried to help Elliot find a career path. However, Elliot felt that all of Tony's suggestions were beneath him. And now we're sort of mm-hmm. picturing a little bit, I think, of what Megan was just saying, where it's like, 
he wants to just sit back and have everybody kind of do the work or or rather that he's like kind of above everybody else you know so well it's like he's got this inferiority complex about himself but also this massive superiority complex about himself at the same time oh that's a good point it's a little confusing. Well, the following year, Elliot enrolled at Moore Park College after visiting it and noticing attractive girls on campus. Um, he had this to say in his manifesto, quote, a new college provided a new start and this college looked perfect in every way. I had the hope that I could make it there, that I could make friends, meet some girls and eventually find a pretty girl to be my girlfriend. I pictured her in my mind all the time, her cascading blonde hair, her beautiful face, her sensual body. I imagined us walking hand in hand through the college that would be heaven that was what i wanted in life every single hate-fueled idea worldview and philosophy i created in the past was the result of not being able to do that end quote lots to unpack there but i think it goes back to darren what you were saying which is like this is this fantasy of what a male life straight male cis life should be frankly beautiful woman beautiful made a lot of money have the car have the job because i want to out like project onto this Mm -hmm. you know this image of what my life should be yeah well at moore park however elliot had the exact same experience as everywhere else declining to actually interact with anyone yet feeling rejected and angry when he saw other people with the friends and relationships that he so desperately wanted Around the time he started class at Moore Park, Elliot's mother began suggesting he become a writer as she felt he had a talent for it. Initially, Elliot liked the idea and started writing stories trying to come up with an epic fantasy that would become a movie, which would make him rich and attractive to women. However, he very soon realized how difficult it would actually be to become a successful writer and quickly lost interest. Hmm. Again, doesn't want to put in too much work here. He wants it all to come to him. Elliot also became disinterested with class, dropping out of Moore Park altogether during his spring semester. So basically, here we are at this point, and like not a lot is going on in his life. He keeps starting and expecting things to just come naturally, and they just kind of aren't at this point. Yeah, which, I mean, is kind of, you know, it's so easy to do that. Everyone else looks on everyone else on Instagram. It's like, oh, they have it perfect. Oh, they had to work easily, you know, much easier than I ever had to work. And it's very much so this, like, victim mentality of of Mm. other people having things, which takes away from me, which is, you know, the world isn't a pizza pie. So (laughs) he then sought employment through a social skills counselor, but the job he received was custodial work, which he felt was beneath him. And he quit after a single day. How are you going to get the money to get that Lambo if you're not going to be willing to put in a single day's work right after his 19th birthday elliot's mother became frustrated with him and wanted him out of the house Mm. the previous year elliot had seen the move movie alpha dog starring justin timberlake i think i saw that once i was gonna say you've seen so many movies effect on him (laughs) yeah i don't remember like if someone told me the plot, I'd be like, yeah, maybe I've seen it. But it had a deep effect on him. And in his manifesto, he said he depicted lots of good-looking young people enjoying pleasurable sex lives. Mm, okay. Elliot learned that the movie took place in Santa Barbara, California, so he decided to attend school there. Oh, and he says, if I can't get laid there, then there is no hope for me at all. Oh, I Like, I just, where are the parents kind of like talking to him about how wrong this mentality is and his parents agreed hoping the move would give elliot the fresh start he needed i don't think he might 
I don't think he's communicating like, well, if I can't meet a girl in Santa Barbara, right. it's never going to happen. Like, doesn't seem like he's communicating that. In his manifesto, Elliot wrote, in truth, the move to Santa Barbara was actually a chance that I was giving to the world, not the other way around, to give me the life that I know I'm entitled to. If I still have to suffer the same rejection and injustice, I will have my vengeance. Well, isn't the word entitled so perfectly used here? Because that's Superiority. Ex- yeah, so that's exactly what all this is. Yeah. Yep. In 2011, Elliot moved to uh, Isla Isla Vista, a community in Santa Barbara, taking with him some parting gifts from his parents, including a 2008 BMW and some Nordstrom's gift card so he could buy some cool new clothes. Mm. However, when he began to attend summer class in his cool new clothes, he wasn't approached by any of his female classmates. Could you imagine? In his manifesto, Elliot detailed an incident in his new town where he plucked up the courage to actually approach and start a conversation with a group of young women, and they responded in kind. Elliot found himself unable to keep the conversation going, and it became awkward and embarrassing to him. Which... I think because maybe my brother's shy and I'm, I mean like I, I just I do relate to like boys probably having a very hard time if yeah. you're shy like you know because women you know, it's just it's it's an awkward age but you know him feeling entitled to these things I think is probably why it's hard for him to communicate because he feels like it should just fall into his yeah. lap yeah and there's also let's not forget you know the the mild Asperger's spectrum type of right. stuff going on here that's just like your brain chemistry just doesn't allow you to have the same kind of coping mechanism that other sort of neurotypical people can can handle on a daily basis so there that's you're not computing and you're not Mm -hmm. computing the same interaction as someone who might not have asperger's now in july elliot's father had to help him move apartments because he couldn't stand hearing his upstairs neighbors having sex and during his father's visit the two went out to lunch where elliot saw a couple sitting at another table and resisted his strong urge to pour soda on them because his father was with him the following day however he saw a couple kissing passionately at a starbucks he followed them to their car and splashed coffee all over them and in his manifesto he said i never struck back at my enemies before and i felt a small sense of spiteful gratification for doing so i wanted to do horrible things to that couple i wanted to inflict pain on all young couples it was sound this time that i realized i was capable of doing such things i would happily do such things i was capable of killing them i wanted to kill them Mm. slowly to strip their skins off their flesh they deserve it. Oh dear! So he's taking everything that's happening in the world as a, as it's happening to him. This yeah, is, exactly. This is very narcissistic self-absorption at yep. its finest. Yeah. There are several other instances in his manifesto of Elliot pouring drinks on women and couples he felt who he felt snubbed him. Elliot recounts one incident where he drove past a bus stop and smiled at two young women who were waiting there. When they didn't respond, Elliot made a U-turn and poured his latte all over them and drove away. Oh my god. And there was another incident where he saw a group of people playing kickball in the park dressed scantily, and this enraged him, so he drove to a nearby Kmart to purchase a super soaker, which he filled with orange juice. (laughs) He then returned to the park to spray the kickballers, then escaped in his car. Am I allowed to laugh? Because there's no murder happening at this point. Can I laugh at this or no? I'm laughing because you love Starbucks and you once (laughs) saw me in kickball clothes. I know. I was thinking of you. you. I, I was could easily been you. No, I agree. And I was walking through Central Park one day after work and ran into Darren. Who? How does that happen in New York City? <laughs> um, and I will say this, Darren, you were scantily clad. So I don't know. There's something to be I said. I know it. Yeah. Anyway. You. Anyway. Oops, excuse me. Oh, I thought you were making a joke or something. Um, 
Anyway, in the spring, Elliot stopped going to class again because being around his attractive female classmates made him uncomfortable. However, he began lying to his parents, pretending that he was still regularly attending class. The following year, at age 21, by the way, all of this has been happening through his teenage years, and finally he's only 21, Elliot had become obsessed with the course his life would take, writing that he didn't want to, quote, resort to having to extract the ultimate vengeance. I didn't want to die. I wanted something to live for, end quote. Can I just now we're getting pause into... and ask you... Yeah, go ahead. Can I just pause and ask you guys if this reminds you of the incel community, involuntary celibacy? Do you know, guys know what that is? I'm not like super familiar community. with it. Why don't you tell us? Well, incel community is involuntarily celibate, and it's like these group uh, of men that like hate women because they feel that women won't have sex with them, so they're involuntarily oh. celibate, and they like hate women. Well, Elliot, then, yeah. maybe not all of them, but yeah, it's Sorry. not good. Elliot was no, um, a pretty it. major part of the incel community online. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. I don't specifically call it out as being incels, but <laughs> he posts in a lot of forums later, and that's yeah. what those forums that's were. That's the community. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, at this point, Elliot returned to his obsession with the lottery and seemed to completely believe he would soon be a winner, saying, quote, My situa- situation was indeed horrible. I couldn't leave the house without seeing a young couple walking around somewhere. Everywhere I went, I was all by myself, while other young people had friends and girlfriends. I was ashamed to show myself to the world. Even though I wore expensive designer clothes, what was the point if girls still weren't attracted to me? No one respects a man who is unable to get a woman. A man wearing shorts and John. a... I know, this is tough to read. A man wearing shorts and a t-shirt would be seen as superior to me, if he walks into a store with a beautiful girl on his arm and I walk in all alone. A man having a beautiful girl by his side shows the world that he is worth something because obviously that beautiful girl sees some sort of worth in him. If a man is all alone, people get the impression that girls are repulsed by him and therefore he is a worthless loser. I saw winning the lottery as the only way out and I became a became so frustrated when the Mega Millions jackpot kept resetting. In the end of November, the jackpot was very close to getting high enough, but then it sank to the bottom once again. End quote. Boy, I don't even know where to begin with this excerpt, but Darren, what are your thoughts? (laughs) I mean, obviously, like, I do think that men... I mean, you know, and using a generalization here, men, heterosexual men yeah. or, you know, men who are attracted to women uh, value that, right? And I think that that's why we see a lot of, like, rich older men with hot younger women. I mean, I think there is a value placed. There's a different value that men see than what women see. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of evolution and a lot of biology. You know, men see these women with certain features of spreading their seed, you know, being able to reproduce. Women want security, so they tend to be more into men having good jobs Mm. and things like that. I think the difference here for me, and I'm just speaking in general terms, but I think the difference here for me is that he thinks that the rest of the world, he's he's catastrophizing it to this point of like, unless a guy has a girl, he's fucking worthless. Like, yeah. that's his own internal projection of his insecurity, not really the accuracy of the world. Although I do totally. think men in general absolutely value younger women for evolutionary reasons. And I think it's a, it's a show, it's a sign to the world, you know, that they are somebody when they have that. It's an object for them to show off to the world in a lot of ways. I agree. And I would also take it one step further and say for, you know, straight men who feel this way, like there's no other option. It's usually also a projection of their own insecurities about getting older, you know, 
Like right. it's never exactly. easy. Like no, you know, we're all human. We all have our own things about getting older, but especially as it pertains to sex, if you're a man who is completely obsessed with sex and let's face it, sex is very different for men and women later in life in particular. Um, then yeah, that's going to be on your mind as sad as that is. So I agree yeah. with you, but I also want to mention like, you know, this guy's really smart. When you, when you go sit down and read this manifesto and as I was reciting it back to you guys listening, don't you get this interpretation that like, if he had the right psychologist or psychiatrist actually, um, maybe there could have been some work done here because he seems to know his precise reasoning for why he is the way he is. And that's like the biggest step when it comes to psychology and therapy and things like that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, however, on September 11th, 2012, when he lost out on a particularly big jackpot, he threw a tantrum, tantrum, spilling wine all over his laptop. He was uh, able to convince his mother to buy him a new one and drove to a Best Buy in Oxnard the following day to pick it up. As he waited for the computer to be prepared, he decided to go to a nearby shooting range where he rented a gun and shot a few rounds, saying, quote, I questioned my whole life and I looked at the gun in front of me and I asked myself, what am I doing here? How could things have led to this? I couldn't believe my life was actually turning out this way. There I was practicing shooting with real guns because I had a plan to carry out a massacre. So there you go. There's his first kind of real confession or realization that he was about to do something horrible. On December 4th, 2012, Elliot brought his first gun or bought his first gun at a local gun store, a Glock 34 semi-automatic pistol. On March 12th, 2013, a few months later, he bought his second gun, a Sig Sauer P226, which he described as being more expensive than the Glock, but quote, higher quality and a lot more efficient. Emphasis on the word efficient. Between March 12th and April 23rd, 2014, Elliot made a total of 12 tactical purchases, weapons-related uh, purchases or shooting practices at ranges. During this time, Elliot spent a lot of time on websites for sex-starved young men like himself who believed that... Incels. Yeah, incels who yeah. believed that women's wickedness was left uncontained, all of humanity would be held back from advancing uh, their civilization. Um, that's just true. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds right. Um, it's just true. Yeah, no, yeah I like to yeah. think my personal wickedness is holding back humanity. <laughs> Your personal wickedness, <laughs> Megan, is it's certainly holding me and John back. We've said this from the start. I, uh, I didn't, you know, this is why we have you on this case. This is for us to uh, finally address you on this issue. That's right. And by Excellent. the way, don't get me started singing "Wicked." You don't want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I will break into song at any minute on Shaken and Disturbed where we don't have lawyers listening. Don't we know? Okay. That's right. All right. That's right. But anyway, reading um, some of his manifesto here, he says, Reading the post only confirmed many of the theories I had about how wicked and degenerate women really are. Women are like a plague because they are subject to depraved emotions. They are attracted to barbaric men. End quote. And this also ties into other descriptions of other white male terrorist shooters over the years in the United States where they hate women. They've they've gone on record as being like incels in this way. And then during the summer of 2013, Elliot's parents arranged for him to resume his meetings with his old social skills counselor in hopes of helping their son. Around the same time, Elliot started ex exercising more and made a final effort to appear as attractive as possible. Those are his words. Deciding to, quote, put his whole life on the line and give women and humanity one more chance to accept him. End quote. 
He planned to go out one night to a big party with the hopes of losing his virginity before his 22nd birthday. So this is something that's, by the way, like, obviously, if this wasn't already, like, you know, obvious, for lack of a better word, it is overwhelming and consuming his entire life here. Um, and so that's how you know it, how this serious This is the only is. thing he seems to be thinking yeah. about. I mean, it's like everything is related to sex. Who's having sex? What's going on with sex? Is sex happening around me? Yeah, it's not right. Happening. Like, <laughs> right. very that. Yeah, yes. and at, yeah, and at the party, he had a few drinks to calm his nerves, after which time he climbed up onto a 10-foot ledge and started shouting, uh, started to shout, excuse me, started to shout insults at everyone. Well, he then started trying to push people off the ledge. He himself was pushed off by a group of guys, breaking, breaking his ankle in the fall. So, I mean, look at this, you know, behavior. It's like, what is going on here? Elliot left the party but tried to return shortly after to retrieve his Gucci sunglasses. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Elliot returned to the wrong party where he tried to demand his glasses back from the guests. According to his manifest... Go ahead, Megan. (laughs) I'm so sorry. At the wrong party. He went back to the wrong party (laughs) and got mad that his glasses weren't there. Can we just... Right, this is not somebody that, like, can ever take into consideration himself. This is, like, narcissism at his finest, you know? Yeah. It's just insane. Yeah. Um, Well, according to his manifesto, this mistake led to him being pushed, kicked, and dragged out by the partygoers. Elliot returned to his room. His neighbor later heard him saying, quote, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill myself. End quote. Elliot reported the incident to the local sheriff. According to the sheriff's investigative reporter, Elliot did not tell the officer that he'd started the fight and downplayed his involvement as the primary aggressor. The case was later dismissed and Elliot returned home to have surgery on his ankle. So, you know, not there's just too much happening here, I feel like, with him. There's a lot happening here. Now, Elliot was absolutely crushed and humiliated by the scene at the party, and his thoughts became extremely aggressive as a result of this. Now, his manifesto said, Since I failed to thrive there, I had no choice but to plan my retribution there. I imagined how sweet it would be to slaughter all those evil, slutty bitches who rejected me, along with the fraternity jocks they throw themselves at. Mm. So... I will say, at least it's not just directed towards the women. It's also directed towards the men that yeah, I guess they're true. attracted to because he's comparing him. He hates women, but he hates men because he's not that he's not as good as them, I yeah, guess. Yeah, in now, his own head, yeah. Elliot decided to carry out his day of retribution on Halloween in uh, Isla Vista because there would be a lot of couples there, but changed his mind when he realized how high the police presence would be on Halloween. Mm. In his manifesto, he says, it came to a point where I had to set a date for the day of retribution. I originally considered doing it on the on Halloween of 2013. That is when the entire town erupts in raucous partying. There would literally be thousands of people crowded together who I could kill with ease. And the goal was to kill everyone in Isla Vista to utterly destroy that wretched town. But then after seeing footage of previous Halloween events on YouTube, I saw that there were too many cops walking around. It would be too risky. One gunshot from a cop will end everything. The day of retribution would have to be on a normal party weekend. So I set it for some time during November of 2013. This goal would give me five months to plan and prepare, five more months of life, but then again, I couldn't even call it life. The existence I've had on this world during the last eight years is anything but life. A feeling of overwhelming dizziness and anxiety swept over me. Mm. I was actually going to die. I couldn't believe it. Then I realized that my life was already over anyway. I was never going to lose my virginity. I was never going to experience love and sex. I was never going to have children. This final act of retribution is the only thing I could do. It was very hard to 
come to terms with this fact. I felt very trapped and lost. I had been rejected, insulted, humiliated, cast out, bullied, starved, tortured, and ridiculed for far too long. Humanity is a cruel and br brutal species, and the only thing I could do to even, to even the score was to return that cruelty 1,000-fold. Women's rejection of me is a declaration of war, and if it's war they want, then war they shall have. It will be a war that will result in their complete and utter annihilation. I will deliver a blow to my enemies that will be so catastrophic, it will redefine the very essence of human nature. Oh dear. I cannot kill every I cannot kill every single female on earth, but I can deliver a devastating blow that will shake all of them to the core of their wicked hearts. I will attack the very girls who represent everything I hate in the female gender. The hottest sorority of UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. After doing a lot of extensive research within the past year, I found out that the sorority with the most beautiful girls is the Alpha Phi sorority. I'll have you know, I rejected them and I went with Delta Gamma. Okay, <laughs> interesting. We'll save that for another I'm just time. Just saying it for my own hotness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. I know exactly. All right, just saying. I know exactly where their house is, and I've sat outside in my car to stalk them many times. Alpha Phi sorority is full of hot, beautiful blonde girls—the kind of girls I've always desired but was never able to have because they all look down on me. They are all spoiled, heartless, wicked bitches. They think they're superior to me, and if I ever try to ask one on a date, they would reject me cruelly. I will sneak into their house at around 9 p.m. on the day of retribution, just before all the partying starts, and slaughter every single one of them with my guns and knives. If I have time, I will set their whole house on fire. Then we shall see who the superior one really is. But then it's like... Now, yeah. th th sorry, I went on my own rant in my own head. Can we get back to the case, please? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Darren, thank you for this manifesto, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Darren. I, I didn't... I, I was reading from Megan's diary. Megan's diary, very weird. weird. We uh, I don't know how that slipped in. I emailed it to but, all my friends. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, yes, right. I, I, you published it online. Now, obviously, we're making a joke. This is... Yeah horrible this is yeah. horrible 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 on next level and you know it continues a little bit further as his plan began to kind yeah. of form in his mind of what he was going to do he started to have a lot of anxiety about ending his own life and he said a feeling of overwhelming dizziness and anxiety swept over me I was actually going to die I couldn't believe it then I realized that my life was over anyway I was never going to lose my virginity the final act of retribution was the only thing I could do it was very hard to come to terms with this fact I felt very trapped and lost as I had said so that kind of there shows a little bit of sense of self here, I guess, for me. Mm -hmm. Just a touch that he sort of understands the preciousness of human life in a lot of ways and also doesn't care enough about it. But yeah, it, that's it a good a, point. It's a little inner psychosis. Now, Elliot returned to East La Vista in the fall for his third year of school where he moved in with two new roommates, a UC Santa Barbara student from Asia whom Elliot described as very ugly with annoying voices. Oh, dear. That's his term, not yeah. mine, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because you, you made a great point, Darren. He does have, at least, whether it's right or wrong, that's not for anyone to say, but he does have a very strong sense of what life is, what he expects out of it, what would be disappointing. And I don't know, as you were going through his manifesto... And then I'm nervous. I don't want to die. You know, yeah, that right. says something to me in a way. But no, I sort for of sure. feel like the only life that he places value on is his own. The rest of, mm. you know, the women and the men are sluts and jocks and they can all just die and they're bringing down society. But his own life, right. he kind of values. That's a good point. That's exactly right. You know, and by the way, let's not forget, that's just such a mental illness when it comes to delusional, you know, being delusional, because everything he's saying makes no sense to anyone else who's walking through the world. You know what I mean? Um, 
Well, in January 2014, Elliot made a citizen's arrest against one of his roommates, Chen Hong, for the alleged crime for stealing $22 worth of candles. Chen was in... Which to me is like one candle. I know. Because candles are expensive. Yeah, exactly. Chen was in possession of the candles and was booked for petty theft. So uh, that's kind of crazy. I've never heard of something like that really even happening before. Um, By the time Elliot had made the decision to move forward with his day of retribution and having resigned himself to death, he made it a point to spend his last few days enjoying time outdoors. He took hikes, watched sunsets, and spent time on the beach. Elliot also visited shooting ranges at least six times between February and April 2014. He decided that the day of retribution would be on Saturday, April 26th. Elliot's manifesto described three phases of his plan. Phase one would be to kill his housemates so they would be out of the way and he would have the apartment to himself. Next, he would lure people into his apartment one by one under some false pretense and torture, kill, and behead them. Very disturbing. Jesus. Phase two would be to drive to the hottest sorority, his words, at UCSB and murder as many women as he could. Phase three would be to drive through Isla Vista, uh, Vista, killing people with pistols and running them over with his car. He also planned to dump out the heads of the people he'd beheaded earlier to show everyone what he had done. Now, that is truly insidious. I've never heard of a uh, detail like that on our show before. It's sort of just, and it's and it's so wild. I mean, this, 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 this mentality is so dangerous and so disturbing and so mm-hmm. shaken but it sort of sounds like how a kid would describe something in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, for sure. There's like, so yeah. much yeah, yeah. Like if a kid were to describe, and obviously it would be very disturbing hearing a kid do it, but the way that he's like, I'm just going to lure people into my apartment, I'm going to torture and behead them and then I'm going to do this. It's like this is no, this is a child talking yeah. about this in a lot of ways. It's a the video emotion. game. Yeah. It's like Grand Theft Auto mm. or some exactly. Very good point. Yeah, because he point. was a like, huge. That video is game. how it seems. Yeah. Right. I'll stick to Pokemon. We don't do anything like that in my game. Um, but when the police inevitably caught up, inevitably caught up with him, Elliot planned to ingest a large amount of tranquilizers, painkillers, and hard liquor, then shoot himself in the head. In the weeks leading up to the attack, Elliot recorded several videos venting his feelings, which he posted on YouTube. In one video titled, Why Do Girls Hate Me So Much?, Elliot commented, quote, I deserve girls so much more than all those slobs I see at my college who are somehow able to walk around with beautiful girls. That pisses me off because I should be the one with the girls. I mean, look at me. I'm gorgeous. What you girls do not see, it I do not understand. Stand. you you're so repulsed by me i mean this world is so beautiful but it's so sad and depressing when i have to experience it all alone such an injustice end quote one comment on the video stated quote the creepy vibe that you give off in those videos is likely the major reason oh that you can't God. get girls end quote which is probably the worst thing you could say to someone in that position but also so true yeah well, probably true too <laughs> Elliot posted several of these rambling videos. However, none ever contained anything overly uh, aggressive or violent. Elliot saved his, quote, ultimate video where he announced his attack plan to post before he started his rampage. On the morning of April 24th, Elliot woke up with a cold and decided to delay the retribution to May 24th, which is my Uh birthday, so he'd be in better shape. And on April 30th, Elliot's mother saw 
the Why Do Girls Hate Me So Much video on YouTube and reported Elliot to Santa Barbara County Mental Health and six police officers came to Elliot's department to, invest, apartment to investigate. According to the police report, Elliot did not show any signs that he was in danger to himself or others, but that he was, he was calm, shy, and polite, telling officers his mother was a worrywart and that he had made the videos as a form of self-expression because he was lonely and had no friends. Yeah. A different... Weird self-expression. Now, the officers decided that Elliot did not meet the criteria for involuntary hospitalization, nor were there grounds to investigate the matter further. And here we go. He writes, I tactfully told them it was a misunderstanding that they finally left. I must have expressed too much anger in the videos. I immediately took most of them off of YouTube and planned to re-upload them a few days before the day of retribution. Through a few horrible seconds, I thought it was all over. For the next few days, I kept one of my handguns with a few loaded magazines near me just in case such a thing did happen. If they did show up, I would have to quickly shoot them all and escape out the back window. I would have to perform a hasty mockery of my plans with the police on my tail. That will ruin everything. And isn't this, you know, I was thinking as you're you're reciting some of this Darren what Megan just said because it feels like he's living in a video game you know like even it's exactly what I thought yeah exactly what I thought when Megan said that that was so accurate yeah and like the way he's like describing how he's jumping out the window and like he's really kind of like turning himself into not a superhero but like you know this sort of enhanced version of what reality really is well right on Friday and by the way I want to say one other quick thing too is you know, the mother called the Santa Barbara County mental health people after seeing the video. And for what it's worth, it sounds like at least the mother or, or maybe both of the parents are aware of like a lot of what's going on with him and have done a lot of the things that you would hope, you know, parents would do when their child is going through mental health problems. But unfortunately, it just none of it was effective um, yeah. with Elliot. I am. Um, I, I didn't write a lot about his parents in here because it's already so long, obviously. <laughs> um, but right. his parents were both very, very involved, very supportive. They were constantly mm-hmm. sending him to different doctors and counselors and therapists and life coaches. And they yeah. just they bankrolled his life. They tried to just make sure he was comfortable and did everything to try to make him happy. They were mm. they did everything they could have done. And they were concerned parents. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So at least we know that there wasn't, you know, that contributing to everything else on top of what he's going through. But anyway, right. on Friday, May 23rd, 2014. Which is today, by the way. That's right. That's when this. Yeah. Um, Elliot decided to begin the attacks. Elliot stabbed three people in his apartment. His two roommates, 20 year old Cheng Hong, 19 year old George Chen and 20 year old. Uh, Weehan Wong, I hope I'm saying that right. Elliot then went mm-hmm. out and bought himself a triple vanilla latte before returning to his apartment. Um, at 9.17 p.m., Elliot wow. sent an email containing his 137-page, 107,000-word manifesto and retribution video to his parents, life coach, and 31 other people, including former teachers and childhood friends. Now, this also goes shows to show how um, his parents were involved, you know, yeah, right. sending it to like the life coaches and 31 other people like he had people in his life. Yeah, yes. for sure. Great point, Darren. The Retribution Manifesto is more of the same complaints about wanting girls and discussion of his plan to slaughter these girls and the boys to whom they were attracted. His overall demeanor in the video can be described as smug. Quote, my orchestration of the Day of Retribution is my attempt to do everything in my power to destroy everything I cannot have. The final sentence in his manifesto reads, quote, I didn't want this. I didn't start this war. I was not the one who struck first, but I will finish it by striking back. I will punish 
punish everyone and it will be beautiful. Finally, at long last, I can show the world my true worth. Uh, end quote. But his final journal journal entry reads, quote, this is it. In one hour, I will have my revenge on this cruel world. I hate you all. Die. End quote. Um, yeah. So there's a lot. And I'm wondering, Just like. Literally nothing to say. But yeah. Again, I didn't want this involuntarily celibate. Right. Like, this isn't my choice to do this. This is all on you guys. Yeah. You did all this shit against me. Yeah. This isn't me. And meanwhile, I'm wondering, like, what these people who received all of this are thinking, you know? It's like, is he serious? Like, what's he doing? Did anyone check on him? Well, just before 9.27 p.m., Elliot drove five blocks to the Alpha Phi sorority house, but sorority members didn't answer the door when they heard loud knocking coming from outside. Unable to gain entry, Elliot began shooting girls standing outside. Veronica Weiss and Catherine Cooper, both sorority members, were shot and died from multiple gunshot wounds. Bianca DeCock was shot multiple times but survived. The first 911 calls came in at 9.27 p.m. Elliot then drove to a deli, exited his vehicle, and fatally shot 20-year-old Christopher Martinez in the chest. Four foot patrol officers Mm. saw a suspect flee the scene in a black BMW. So he was, you know, moving forward with this horrible plan that he's been planning for so long. That he is. And Elliot then began firing at a sheriff who was on foot. The officer returned fire and Elliot drove away, striking and killing cyclist Jin Fu, who survived Mm. the collision, thankfully. Now, from this point onward, Elliot drove around shooting people and trying to run them over with his car. Christopher Huang survived gunshots to his forearm and right buttocks. Victor Garcia, uh, Mitchell Lubarski, and Elliot Gee all survived collisions with Elliot's car. Mm. Matthew Smith and Antoine Churchian each survived multiple gunshot wounds. Elliot fired numerous times on several police officers who survived before speeding away. Keith uh, Keith Chung survived a vehicle collision with Elliot's car, and in total, Elliot had murdered six people. The three people in his apartment, Catherine Cooper, Veronica Weiss, and Christopher Martinez. He injured seven others, seven from gunshot wounds, and seven by blunt force trauma sustained by, by being hit with Elliot's car. Mm. Around 9.37 p.m., Elliot shot himself with a single gunshot wound to the head and crashed into parked cars, so he died seven years ago today, mm. the day that this episode is being released. A search of his car turned up three handguns and 400 rounds of ammunition. Wow. And at 12.20 a.m. the following day, my birthday, authorities obtained a search warrant for Elliot's apartment where they found the three bodies inside. Uh, so what a crazy story. I mean, you know, it, it, the only thing that really comes to mind as we finish this episode is like, man, it's like there were so many signs. Like, obviously, the manifesto was like its own thing and like he wasn't publishing blog posts, but... I don't know. I just look back and I think, you know, were there even more things that anybody could do? I mean, like we said, his parents were very involved, but I don't know. It's like you almost can't really predict this kind of behavior with somebody. No, but I can see Megan's point of why she was so frustrated at the point because, I mean, it sort of feels like I wish there was something to be done, but it does kind of feel like he had every kind of chance in the world to be better. Yeah, totally. And to have, like, be surrounded by people. He's obviously a smart guy. He had loving parents. He had siblings. And he just did it anyway. Yeah. And so I think there's definitely a lot of mental illness going on with that. I don't think that's a quote-unquote normal person's maybe reaction to things. But, Megan, I do see your point of it just being like, there was nothing to be done here. Like, he was he was going to do it. Yeah. And I absolutely don't want to discount the mental illness because, obviously, that's a key component of this. But he had every single chance to 
do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And he had supportive parents, which a lot of these times in these cases we don't get to see. So thank you for the amazing research this week, Megan. You did such a good job. job. Thank you. Well, let us know what you guys thought about this very disturbing episode. You can hit us up at jthrasher, carpe darren. Um, You can hit us up in the Facebook group. Megan, tell people where to find you on social media. Sure. F off, Meg. Yeah, I'm on Instagram (laughs) at F off Meg, E-F-F-O-F-F-M-E-G. And um, if you like Rocky Horror, I have a lot of Rocky Horror stuff on my account. Uh, I host a podcast, not host a podcast. I produce a podcast called Rocky Talkie Podcast that you can check out if you'd like. Um, yeah, Very that's good. me. Thank you. Dope. I love it. Let's end on a positive note, John, with some listener shout outs before we punch out of here. That's a great idea. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to my friend, Brianne, who has been a longtime listener of ours, Darren, and continually tells people to download and subscribe our new show. She is such a huge fan. I'm just thankful she's so dedicated to what we're doing. I will run into people, Darren, here in my town where I'm living at the moment, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I heard about your podcast. Brianne is a huge fan. And I was like, that she is. Yeah. So shout out to Brianne. I really appreciate your evangelizing of Shake It and Disturb, for lack of a better word. Yeah. That's so nice. Um, Well, Jacqueline in our Facebook group commented about our Patreon episode last (laughs) week featuring the murder of Kim Wall, if you remember. And she said, there is an excellent miniseries on the Kim Wall case. Came out recently on HBO called The Investigation. It's not in English. Mm. It's got subtitles. But it is one of the best series on a true crime case I have ever seen. And I highly recommend it. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline. I, uh... We will definitely check I want to check that out. Yeah, that Patreon episode that we did, which, by the way, Megan also produced. Thank you, Megan. Um, was very crazy. You guys should definitely listen. It's about a, a woman who went into a submarine and, frankly, did not come out. And it's very disturbing. Um, yes, it so is. Check that was it a rough yes, one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Not, maybe not as rough as this one. but this, Definitely uh, not. In they, some they're, ways. they're all their own shit. Yes, they definitely shake and disturb us both. Yeah, by the way, don't forget our Patreon live stream is coming up Wednesday, May 26th. 8 p.m. We're going to celebrate Darren's birthday. Darren, you're going to... Everyone should come join the fun. Megan might be there. Sing happy birthday to Darren. See what surprises that I've sent to Darren to open up exclusively on the live stream. <laughs> they, better, they better be here soon. I know. I was just, just thinking. I was just driving yesterday. I had to run to the post office and I was like, oh my God, I haven't sent her this yet. So I'm going to... I'll overnight it if that's mm-hmm. what it takes. Um, mm. Huh? Mm. Oh. Okay. Well, hopefully, Megan, you can also join us with your taxidermy because, you know, animals, got to see them. Very, very key. I know you got got some cute kitties going on over there, too, so I want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come. Wonderful. And for all of you guys out there, thank you for, you know, some birthday love. I'm sure you're – I I, I always know how dedicated you guys are to doing (laughs) that, and I see you guys kind of already even posting about it. It's very, very sweet. So. Thank you so much. And Megan, always great talking to you. Thanks, and we'll see Megan. you all next week. Thank you for having me. I love getting to chat with you guys. Of course. Absolutely. See you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.